And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound of silence That was not great. Great. Rivals the original. We should have tried to do the harmony there, but that's pretty hard. That that would have been helpful. Instead of leaving me out on an island on my own, but uh, c'est la vie. Here we are. Welcome to the Stoner's Point of View, show where we provide high-level analysis of music and movies and our impressions of such while high on legal Canadian cannabis. My name is Brett. I'm here with my co-host, the TP Tower of Power, Terrell Parker. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here. I love this movie and this song. And last but certainly not least, we got Big Philly Style, Phil Froze. How you doing, bro? You know, just kicking it, just kicking it, bruv. Uh, sorry, I still got a little Guy Ritchie in my system. Uh, no, you know what? I I am thrilled. I am the meat in a Simon and Garfunkel sandwich right now, just like I've always dreamt it, and I am thrilled, boys. Well, that's sweet. I'm I'm pretty excited, too. Uh, as you'll no doubt know, because we posted in the title of our episodes, we are doing uh, The Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel today. And we'll also be doing a George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. That's right, Day. Oh my Dead. God, I am so excited about this one, boys. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've watched it, I don't know how many times. Like I said in the last episode, I, I have it on DVD. I am pumped. Have you guys seen all the other movies in the trilogy? Uh, yeah. The uh, Romero's original trilogy. So question for you, before we get into the, into the meat and potatoes of the song and stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do a poll. What is your favorite sure. Romero zombie flick out of the first of the three? Dead, from, from Night Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of, Day the, of dead. the Dead. The first just, three. The first. I, three. I pick Day of the Dead as well. Yeah, Day of the Dead. Just like yeah, <laughs> with a bullet. No zombie and, joke intended there. And but. I'm prepared. I'm prepared to explain exactly why. But before we get into that, I just want to kind of, uh, you know, do some housekeeping around here. Uh, like to kind of keep it loose around. Is this where you fire me? Well, <laughs> yeah, Phil, we gotta get ready. Right? We've we've been we've been talking, ah. and um, you butchered the hell out of that Australian last week so bad. Ah, I'm sorry, Connor. Uh, Con- I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, Connor, I really am sorry. Um, he won't be back. No, but um, I just kind of wanted to get a feeling for you guys where you're at. We're all kind of stuck at home in this pandemic. We're we're kind of eking our way through, doing our best. And uh, I know we all spend a lot of time online for our jobs and stuff. Uh, you guys see anything exciting, anything new? Um, I, I want to start with something. Um, multi-time show attendee uh, Seth Rogen, who's been on here for... Donnie Darko, Pineapple Express, and uh, several segments of Rogan vs. Rogan. Yeah, Rogan, why not write a song and then we can review that too? We should yeah. start a band <laughs> called Rogan vs. Rogan. But That's as this idea. is a, a marijuana-based podcast, uh, I want to announce uh, Seth Rogan's uh, brand Houseplant has launched into the U.S., and so if you can get your hands on that, get your hands on some of that, because Terrell has actually tried that, and why don't you tell us a little bit about... Uh, so Seth Rogen. he has these like generic like sativa indica hybrid and i bought the indica because it was a very high thc i remember it was like 21 22 percent which is for you layman's out there a lot of thc <laughs> 
And uh, it was great. I loved it. I loved the Inica. It came in like this like a uh, little yellow package. In the States, they come with little stackable tins, which I just want to collect like a little anime collector, these little weed tins. I, I think that's great. Uh, yeah. And I, I really think his brand is really cool. And apparently from what he's been talking about, he's been working on this for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, like, which is said, quite a statement that he, he really said, backs the weed. Yeah. And he said he's more proud of this like endeavor than any project he's worked on. So, like, you know he's passionate about it. And I don't know if you saw the video, Terrell, of when he announced the launch, but they, they have all sorts of accessories, too, like this house lighter. Did you see that? Yeah. The house lighter. So it's like this, this metal box that has a lighter in it. And he's like, listen, I lose my lighters all the time. He's like, it's kind of hard to lose this thing. <laughs> it's like this giant, <laughs> and the lid's like an ashtray. So, yeah, I don't know. He's You can tell he's kind That's, of... Uh, I remember my grandparents having those things. The, 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 yeah like the house light yeah i remember those holy shit i forgot all about those yeah old that's school awesome. like old school ashtrays did you guys ever that's go to actually like, really house? sick did you ever go to a house where there was like an ashtray on like a pedestal with like a lighter in it and like mm -hmm. that was the special smoking spot oh like, ashtrays that... ashtrays used to be like you had to build your fashion statements around them in your house like your house decor yeah around ashtrays which was uh yeah what a crazy time we live in now where smoking's <laughs> basically completely outlawed and only the worst of the worst human beings do it <laughs> it day, I don't know. <laughs> uh, sorry no i that was a little burn at phil our resident smoker on the show but uh i was hoping to get the sick burn of the week but i don't think it measures up so uh i'll keep working at it <laughs> um there's still lots of time left brett we can get more in that's true yeah <laughs> yeah it, it'll come to us um yeah anything else before we get into our boys s and g i i'm stoked to just to to dive into this uh like just dive dive right into this pool of simon and garfunkel yeah i see what you did there i like that <laughs> so um i'm gonna kind of try to bounce around in this particular breakdown because to be honest the structure of the song is not tremendously difficult or nuanced it's very vocal driven very lyric driven um so but there's there's quite a an interesting sort of backstory behind the song too so i'm going to try to weave in and out of breaking down the song but also kind of talking about this stuff so um start with the song itself like when it comes in with the finger picking and the singing right off the bat singing guys like it's harmonies here. No, people, it's, it's absolutely incredible. People don't sing like they used to, I feel. Like, I don't know. These these guys just were chef's kiss. Like, it, That's really important to note. Like, they recorded this um, after writing it over quite some time. And they probably, it was recorded analog, obviously. It was recorded in the 60s, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the vocal harmonies, right off the bat, it, they just get you because they're so haunting. The note, the note choices that they choose and the lyrics. Yes. I think that um, the lyrics are really the main point of the song because it's like this folk song, so it's really based in like the poetry of it, which is what I love about this song. But the story behind it is actually really amazing. How it was produced and, and how it became a big hit it wasn't yeah. an easy road. Like it wasn't just didn't pop to the charts and blow them up. Well, no. and, and to go further with that, Trill, even the process of writing this song 
for them was insane. Like, like Paul Simon spent a few months working on the lyrics alone to this song. And like, you know, that to kind of bring it back to what, you know, you were talking about the vocals, Brett. Uh, yeah. Like vo- the vocal performances in this song are insane. Uh, but also just like the lyrical content, like the, the, the yeah. it's, it's just poetry. Like it's just, it is true poetry in a song, which, you know, I guess every, every, set of lyrics technically is but it's just it's just absolutely beautiful and amazing and it's it's a song that i'm so familiar with through throughout my whole life but Mm -hmm. like listening to it again and and appreciating the vocals and the lyrics it just gave me a whole new appreciation it's used in so much media like one of my favorite memes of this song is the sad ben affleck meme so remember when like remember when batman and superman made the movie and there was yeah. this meme going around because it bad got affleck, bad, yeah. bad, bad reviews and you see the affleck he's all crying and shit and then they would yeah <laughs> you would slowly hear it coming in <laughs> like and the song well, would come on Hello, and i, I gotta mention uh, the sound of silence has joined the multi-time spov club because it uh i believe was in old school when it Frank was falls into the pool yeah um so congrats SNG. you've made it to the multi-time uh stoners pov club and i'm sure you care so much about that and talking uh, about talking about the song too like what in a movie that it's in it actually was used in the movie the graduate um yeah. which is a sick movie uh and it's uh that was one of the reasons why it actually blew up um which is interesting because there's two versions of it. Did you guys listen to the acoustic version or did you listen to like the full band electric version? So or did you to... listen to the disturbed version? No. <laughs> I, I have most of my notes are about the disturbed version. I'm just gonna <laughs> okay, let you okay, know. Okay, right so now. I want I want to get to that, but it, it's interesting. Um couple notes on what you said there, Cyril. Number one, um, yes, this song appeared in the graduate, but it was kind of like like Mrs. Robinson was the the graduate song like that was that was the mm-hmm. one that they used like most prominently and this one was kind of like an after edition but ended up being arguably just as impactful mm-hmm. but the cool thing yeah you were saying there's the two versions so they wrote the acoustic version and it was on an album and nothing really happened right like it broke the band up it like it yeah, didn't yeah they, they broke up <laughs> but what it was originally called the sound of silence at 3 a.m on a wednesday right or something yeah, like yeah. That. <laughs> Um, but then this producer put like some extra stuff to it, ended up putting it out there on like college radios and it took off and just started to catch all this steam and eventually ended up on a, like a billboard chart. And they found out about it after it was there and were like, whoa, we have to like go and do an album now to capitalize on this song while we can. (laughs) And it's just it's wild to think that they were like, they were done. They were ready to call it quits. Yeah, well, I, I don't know about you guys, but I find my, I found myself like when, cause I started out listening to the acoustic version and then I I'm waiting for that snare hit, like in restless dreams up, pop, you know, like I yeah. was just waiting for that. The whole song. I'm like, Oh yeah. It's the electric one I'm thinking of. And mm-hmm. I was, I, I, I you know, I, I, yeah, I kind of had amalgamated the two of those versions in my, in my memory and uh and then finding out like how yeah like buddy just like without their permission just like i'm gonna make this a rock song yeah and uh how hard that must have been to do back in the day to actually you know having to actually take tape and uh, and i believe they slow it down actually a little bit or yeah they, all he had tape. to he had to in parts because it wasn't perfectly in tempo because it was just uh, an acoustic song right mm-hmm. so well, yeah, there's a had... funny story about how they overdubbed it because Bob Dylan in, in 1965 was recording 
like a Rolling Stone. And the producer, this this uh, Tom Wilson guy, he kept Al Gorgoni, is his name, and the drummer Bobby Gregg from the Dylan Sessions, added another guitarist and a bassist. And they basically just... The reason why you conflict the two songs together is that it's one song and then it's the same song with these other dudes jamming over it really and it, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of it's kind of genius if you think about it because at that time um on pop radio the song like mr tambourine man by the birds was charting high and wilson heard this and i, I think this is kind of genius as a producer he heard this and he's like yo i can sell this yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i, so I love how did you be made here I love that about this song, and I think it was good for, you know, Simon and Garfunkel because it they broke up because they were actually getting made fun of. They would play this, and um, they would play at Folk City and these other places in New York, and there was this folk singer, his name's Dave Van Rock, I'm reading here, and he, he said that uh, Sound of Silence actually became a running joke for a while there. It was only necessary to start singing, Hello, darkness, my old friend, yeah. and everybody and would crack up. Yeah, well, which I, is I hilarious. Read a, I had read an interview with uh, with Paul Simon talking about that, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, they thought we were a comedy act." <laughs> and yeah, like it, it is like it is really like it's it it kind of happened under it was kind of a, a bit of a shady thing to do, but it worked out in the end. Um, and yeah, without without their producer having done that, you know, they'd be a footnote in uh, in you know in music history if if even that. Because yeah, like yeah. this, like this, this song was their lead single, and it did nothing for them until that uh, until that uh, rock version or the electric version came out. Right, right, and I, I mean, I'm glad it did because like the song is actually pretty good. Like, I mean, yeah, it's the electric version that kind of is the one that I'm most fond of as well. Um, but still, like the actual songwriting of it is good. I like. I love how the vocals kind of transpose into each other, and there's not really defined parts. It's all kind of one big sequence, and it has that minor drop, which is kind of like the chorus, I guess you could call it, where it drops to a minor note and does the sound of silence part. But like then it repeats the cycle, and it's almost like this: the sequence is so, like it's so long, and that you can loop it, and you're still not like sucked back into like oh they're just looping this part you know what i mean mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't it, feel like that it feels like it's actually going into a new part but that's just because of how well written the chord changes are like the progression was really it, great it reminds me of a uh, childish bambino the that song redbone like it's not a complicated or like really crazy song like guitar wise or musically and that's the same thing with this song but mm -hmm. the riff even the guitar playing is so catchy like the little minor chord that it starts with yeah. I think it's actually played on the sixth fret with like a capo, uh, and it's like an A minor to start, and it's like doo -doo 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 -doo. Um, yeah. really, really great song, and the riff is really awesome. And I, I can imagine, you know, Simon sitting in. Apparently, he wrote this in his bathroom. That's where he used to like to write, yeah. um, and that's that's what the song is apparently about, like the sound of silence in writing. Uh, and yeah. I think later it was interpreted about being able to connect with with other humans, which I think is like. I think that's kind of revisionist, even of Simon and Garfunkel. They probably went back and were like, how do we give this song some deeper meaning? How do we make it see? I don't know about you, but that just screams that. Because, like, there's no For way sure. a 20, 21 year old writes the lyrics like, you know, and the people bowed and prayed to the neon god they made. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You hit the alive. And what I love about how they consistently change the vocals is that's what keeps it fresh yeah you know what i mean like the the musical part can be kind of a looped part 
I mean, that that minor note's still going to get me every time. Doesn't feel like it's uh, it's a loop in any way, like I said. But because they're keeping the vocals different, they're not really like repeating parts, and the lyrical content is actually like so well done that. Yeah, yeah I, well, and the performances themselves are just so mm, good, and cool. and and the harmonies they do, they like it. I I actually just this just came to my my mind now, but uh, it's almost like do you remember how we used to say like like Thursday, like their guitar parts just kind of wrap around each other and intertwine, and it's like yeah. that's what these vocals they they, they kind of you know like it, it reminds me of that where it's just like you you can't you can't really tell who's doing what at. At, maybe not at any given moment, but at a lot of points in this song. You know what's crazy about this is going back to the, like talking about Simon and Garfunkel. Like they broke up, and I think Simon went to England to like try to make it in like Denmark or something, or like and tour around. And, and Garfunkel was just chilling, and the song became this huge success. So Simon like returned to the United States to record a new album at Columbia's request because they got a record deal because of this song. Mm-hmm. Um, and he later described his experience learning that the song went to number one. And he repeated this in lots of interviews where he said, he's like, I come back to New York and I was staying in my old room at my parents' house. Artie was living at his parents' house too. I remember Artie and I were sitting there in my car one night, parked on a street in Queens, and the announcer on the radio said, number one, Simon and Garfunkel. And Artie said to me, hmm, that's Simon and Garfunkel. They must be having a great time because there we were on a street corner in my car in Queens, smoking a joint. We didn't know what to do with ourselves. And imagine, that's probably true. Like imagine we were in a band and we were like, hey, uh, our band is uh, kind of shitty, apparently, and everyone hates us. So let's go back. <laughs> let's go back to our normal lives. And you're just chilling at home. And then, like, I call you guys, and we're like, "Hey, some uh, some guy reproduced our song, and now we're kind of yeah. a huge deal." <laughs> yeah. Oh, so but Simon and Garth, like, they are the proto hipsters. Like, they yeah. really are. Like, they're all about that Brooklyn, like, you know, just chilling in coffee shops. Like, they'd be that dude on a MacBook in Starbucks nowadays. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just, uh, sorry, Terrell, I know you're that dude, but. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that the New York, like, beatnik, like, yeah. scene was, yeah. a huge, they were part of a huge part of that scene. And oh, they yeah, were, they they were their like, first hipsters. Yeah, they were their yeah, first I hipsters. I was just like, no, we're just. In a, in a, like, yeah, like smoking a joint. We don't know what to do with ourselves. Fuck that. I don't believe that shit for a second. That's some revision. They, they, were, right they, were buying some, they were buying some bootcut pants they with shiny shoes. They were doing shoes. drugs and <laughs> picking up hipster chicks. Yeah, buying pink cowboy hats and going yeah, on tour. Yeah, marrying Princess Leia. Come on yeah. now. So, boys, um, if you were to, uh, to rate this song on our magical scale out of 10, what would you give it? You know what? I'll go first. Uh, I'm going to give it a solid 7.1, mostly due to the fact that it is an incredible song. I feel like it would have a higher score if it was actually produced and recorded like in a more modern way. I'm surprised they haven't like remixed it and made it like real toit. Like, I, that's, that's all I can say about it. It is an yeah. amazing song. And every time I hear it, I think the thing that gets me about it is it's been in so much uh, pop culture. And it's it's such a, a powerful song, the way it evokes like this like dark, weirdly kind of weird vibe about the song. And to think it was like recorded in the '60s, that's so so long ago. It's yeah, you know, like 65 years ago. Um, and so I give it a high rating, but I, I feel like the thing that really like lowers it a bit is just the production. To my mind, being a guy born in the '80s could be you know a lot better, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you on that, Terrell. Uh, even with the electric version, especially, I find the production on that 
pretty lazy actually like this like when the snare hits like i always remembered it as being like this like like this gunshot of a sound you know and then i'm listening to it like through like you know good equipment and then i was like wow that sounds super weak and i believe it only comes in on the right side i don't even think it's i think it's panned all the way to the right and i was just like oh you know that's a little sloppy but that aside i'm gonna give it a seven it's a timeless classic you know either version of it mm-hmm. um and you know it, it it propelled that band or you know or at least paul simon to yeah. to great heights um yeah. and you know it's, it's 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 not my favorite simon and garfunkel song um, and I hope I do hope that we revisit Simon and Garfunkel in the future on this yeah, podcast. But uh, yeah, this one gets a seven for me. Great song. It's a t- it's timeless, and and it, and it, it launched these guys to the, into you know the upper echelons of music uh, music history or music legends. Right. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go a little bit higher because like sometimes when we consider the the time period, it can be a detriment because we listen back and we're like, that's not you know up to the standards that we remember it or that's not you know where it should be and i i do agree with that um when you guys said that but one thing like that kind of blew my mind is how crisp and impeccable the vocal work is in the song and being able to do that on tape in the 60s with just you and a buddy is i i can't even fathom the it's monumental pretty task. Yeah. It's pretty mint. Yeah. yeah, there are even some parts that are on the on the verge of being sour, but they're mm-hmm. still just so tasty. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so I'm gonna give it a little bit higher and give it a seven point eight out of ten. Um, for me, it's a perfectly fine song. Um, it's incredibly identifiable because of the looping, but they do such a good job of it. And uh, so for me, it's a great example of when uh, a cookie cutter structure is done right and done well. And so, for that reason, I'm giving it a 7.8. Pew, 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 pew! Nice. And, and that's the sound of silence. Ah, I see what we did there? Ah, see? Ah, yeah. Um, Good thing my furnace wasn't on. Welcome back to the second half, Stoner's Point of View. We have a doozy for you, folks. We're tackling... Uh, horror legend george a romero's um in my opinion masterpiece day of the dead and uh yeah so back to my question at the start mm-hmm. you guys answered but i didn't okay and yeah day of the dead is obviously the best yeah. one <laughs> like uh, i was hoping that you guys would say something else so i could make fun of you but the, the thing is the first movie is really good the second one is like pretty good but this one is really, like, really good. Like, you know what I mean? It's such a great exploration of that universe. Yes. And, like, and then when you th- you realize that, like, uh, like, George A. Romero was working with, like, half the budget he was expecting to be working with. Yes. Uh, it just, you're just like, like, what could this have been? Well, and, and like, and you look at his later works, like, Land of the Dead and Diary, and it's it, mm-hmm. it just, it never... It never comes back. It never like this was his peak, you know. It, it just, yeah. It never before or since has he and come out with something this good, in my opinion. I agree, and that's like that that budget thing. That is like prime uh, out of the Robert Rodriguez playbook, except where he did it just because he was poor. Romero had to do it because he opted to do two other movies at full budgets when he could have he could have went to this one. Like this one was in the pipeline, but he's just like, no, I want to go do these other two first. 
then I'll come back and I'll do this. And they ended up not being very successful. So his budget was restricted. And yeah, he had to, he had to force himself to overcome the financial obstacles through creativity and just, and quite frankly, like hard labor. Yeah, like, well, it's like he he was actually in like a really negative headspace, apparently, like in a really bad place, uh, you know, in in his in like personally or in his mind hmm. uh, when he made this movie, and and it just kind of comes back to like the like the you know the the classic tortured artist, you know, like the the sometimes your best work comes out when you're absolutely miserable and, and hating your life. So uh, yeah. you know, sorry you had to go through that, Jordan. I'm sorry you, you didn't make quite as much money as you wanted although you still did well but you know what ended up happening uh, though these movies became like cult classics like the first time Mm -hmm. i watched it i was like 15 or 16 because i realized zombies had tons of movies that i didn't know about Mm -hmm. uh and i remember watching this when i was a teenager and i've I've always loved this movie like and i think it's um it's shocking to me that this came out like a long time ago, really, like yeah, in '85. Like, 30, like this came up before 30, I was alive. Six years ago, yeah, <laughs> it's wild. Um, yeah, I. What was I the first time you saw it, Brett? Do you remember? I'm I'm really bad for this, and this is like a repeating theme on this show. But start to finish, I I am not like a lot of the movies we cover were not like prominent in my life like from a sit down watch the whole thing pay attention start to finish kind of context well it's not like this is on tbs like every weekend there's the kind of some yeah. messed up stuff <laughs> right like in right. this movie, I this movie. Uh, so i i think i saw it in my teens like but never never actually to the point that i stopped and watched it all and kind of like really paid attention to what was going on and stuff not not to this extent by yeah. any means Brett, we've guaranteed watched this movie yeah. baked as shit together before. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. Um, this is like this is you know it, it, like one of the Phil classics. I've know, definitely like, watched this with you, Phil, at oh, your place, like sure. drink, yeah. drinking like, and stuff. If you've known me long yeah. enough, we've gotten you know a little silly yeah. and watched Day of the Dead yeah. before. Uh, my sister, my oldest sister, I have to thank for it. She she got really into like the camp horror for a lot. Well, she still is into that kind of stuff. Um, I would say your name, sister, if you're listening, but I'm not sure if you're cool with that. So, uh, but uh, I we had watched Dawn of the Dead a bunch of times, and I and uh, and then one day she she's like, oh yeah, there's Day of the Dead, and I, I was just like, holy shit! Like it's like going from like like Grand Theft Auto two to like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas with great like, analogy, world, you know, like, or like or like, like Fallout two to Fallout three, like the just the massive jump. Yeah. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, I know I'm skipping Grand Theft Auto 3 and Grand Theft Auto Vice City. That's part of the analogy. I know, Folks. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I want to I want to go through the movie because I don't think there's a section of this movie that I didn't like. So I want to make sure I touch on everything. So um, we start off, we get main character Sarah sitting in a cinder block room. She's looking at a calendar. It's October 31st, or at least all the all the days in October have been checked off. So I don't know if that means that it's that day or it's the previous day or whatever. But anyway, she's looking at a calendar, and all of a sudden, this bunch of zombie arms burst through the wall. And uh, it ends up being a hallucination. She's actually in a helicopter. Um, and there's actually a cool little helicopter shot. But I just want to back up. that That scene with the arms through the wall, you guys may or may not know this, but uh, like when it was shot, like the wall, like they didn't anticipate the wall potentially like falling over, and it actually fell over once onto the actress, 
and they had to set it back up, redo it and everything. But yeah, it was just like, and that's just the first in a series. It's like the first of like five seconds. Yeah. Special like, effects guffaws that, that ended up being happy accidents. Um, I don't think the fall was like, the fall was not a part of what ended up. No, in the no, final you just see the, but, you just see the arms pop yeah, through the wall. Yeah. But Brett, way to, way to come in heavy with like, with an actual factoid. I, I didn't know. That's my fact, <laughs> my notes here is, this uh, this movie has sick '80s music. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I actually want to want to touch on that. Let's put a pin in that. I, <laughs> I, I gotta say, I did probably more research for this movie than I did for any movie that we've Ever? done on this pod. You went Donnie Darko in, on this, in like 22 I did. Two episodes, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I do want to get to the music, and and we're definitely going to. But just in terms of where we're at, in terms of the story of the movie, they're deliberating whether or not to actually go check on the survivors. So right off the bat, it paints itself as a sequel, um, and they're going to check on the survivors. And then we got the the helicopter pilot John, who I love because of all his sweet Jamaican lines. Oh, flyboy! Well, and then when he's like, "At the first sign of trouble, I'm going up." <laughs> If you're not on board, you're going to have a lousy afternoon. <laughs> well, we get like, introduced basically to the main characters. We see right. John, who is uh, arguably the coolest character in the movie. Yeah. And then we get to see Bill, his Irish drinking Bill. buddy. Yeah, he's like uh, kind of uh, squirrely, but I like him. He's cool. He knows how to yeah. kill zombies, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then we have Salazar or Miguel, whichever. I call him Salazar throughout this whole thing. But, I call uh, him Miguel, kinda... but just because I'm so used to saying Miguel is a dick. Yeah. <laughs> He's on the on-again, off-again relationship with Sarah that uh, they kind of hint at in the thing. Um, actually, that I want to talk about Miguel for a sec because that actor who played him was clearly like a very theater-trained, like, method actor. Like, and you yeah. could tell that, like, in the way he delivered his lines and stuff. Almost almost authentic to the point of cheese. Yeah, it was overacting, like, I would call it. I, yeah. He's, to me... The, the rest of the actors have, like, this kind of, like, they know that it's a zombie movie kind of acting skill. And, that, and Miguel is, like, is he's really sending it every time. Like, the, yeah. scene, the scene at the start where they're in the helicopter, yeah. obviously he's trying to portray a guy who went through a zombie apocalypse. Probably mm -hmm. not doing so hot. Just like yeah. his girlfriend here having nightmares about zombies. Everyone's right. probably tripping. So his character is so, like, intense. Every scene you see him, and it kind of made me be like, hey, bro. You realize this is a zombie movie. <laughs> like, yeah. You know well, what I mean? Like, relax. <laughs> what's uh, what's funny about that is there a lot of the there's a lot of overacting in this movie. Mm -hmm. You know, on, on on pretty much every member of the cast's account, and a big part of that is because they actually they're all stage actors. They all are all yes. theatrically trained actors, and and yeah. you know when when you're acting on stage, you have to overact because you know when you watch a movie, it's like you're in the front row. But when mm -hmm. you're acting on stage, you're acting, you know, to the people up in the, I don't know what they call those seats. I haven't been to a theater in a long time. But, yeah, uh, yeah so that's actually part of it. But uh, let me just say, Miguel, too, gives off some Kevin Spacey vibes. I never noticed that uh -huh. until, I, until I watched this movie. But if you listen to the way he delivers his dialogue, yeah. he goes straight up Kevin Spacey on I your can, ass. I can see that. I can yeah. see that. Uh, I, yeah. I, I said it to my wife, and she's like, what? And I re rewound it. I'm like, check this out. She's like, holy shit. Yeah, he yeah. really is. He's just such a wiener. My note, my note here such is, a wiener. 
And my note here is Miguel is upset and won't get out of the helicopter. Man, <laughs> I remember this Miguel guy. He's totally the bad guy. It's not the zombies. It's Miguel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and we'll, we'll definitely get to that because you're not you're not entirely wrong. So let's put a pin in that and revisit it for a sec. So we get them uh, doing this rescue mission, landing at the base kind of thing. And it's this whole scene with the helicopter coming down and stuff. And this is where I touch on the music so we can really get into it here if you want. But like what I what I got here is that it's it's outstanding. And it almost seems, and this is how I word it, delightfully out of place in spots. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it's like, is that the kind of music that I would use for a zombie movie in this particular spot? And sometimes I'm thinking, maybe it's not, but maybe that's not a bad thing. And in fact, like George Romero commented on it and said, like, people were saying to him, oh, the music's a little bubbly in spots. And he was like, yeah, that to me, that's kind of the charm mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, he was saying it's got that tropical jazz. What what was the synth they used? It was like a Juno Prophet or something? Prophet 5 synthesizer. Prophet 5, yes, that's yeah. right. It was uh, almost I have a VST of that, by the way. It was but... almost entirely done on the Prophet 5, and they used a Kurzweil piano for the strings and um, Lindrums, actually, yeah. for the drums. Yeah, um, but Lindrums, Lindrums are basically like they were invented in the 80s, and like guys were like, hey, you know what we don't need anymore? Drummers. We got a lit yeah. drum! <laughs> yeah, and, and it, like, was, <laughs> it was this, every song was wrote yeah. with a lit drum back then. It was a staple for 80s music. I, and, I want one so bad, yeah. like an actual... But, sorry, uh, I... Sorry to cut you off. An interesting thing about how they actually recorded this soundtrack is I guess they did it like as they were editing it. So they'd like they edit a scene together and be like, yo, here's this, write a track to it. It was and, it yeah, was, was even so it was even actually a step above that. They they shot the scenes, a B-roll of the scenes as they were doing the actual scenes oh, on a handheld, right. on a handheld, and then they passed the tape down this like shoot to the beat lab, <laughs> and, <laughs> and the composer would get this tape and basically score the movie on the spot. Like it, it's amazing, man. I have um, I have a note here too about how like you know how they they go and they come back to their base, whatever, right, in the helicopter in the next the scene here. My favorite part about this scene is, do you guys notice there's a guy watering his weed plants? Shitty weed plants? <laughs> yeah. Like, that weed looks like some bunk to me. And like, I know it's a zombie apocalypse and all, but, like, seriously, like, if, like if, is it a bad climate or, like, poor, <laughs> is it the wrong elevation or something? Because I swear I could do better with some water and some seeds. <laughs> I love um, it, though, because it kind of introduces you to the army guys, which are, like, all of them are the worst, basically. And I think yeah. we should take also, a moment... Go on, I was gonna girl. say we're gonna we're gonna take a moment here just to acknowledge uh, there's a lot of stuff in this this movie that is not appropriate right. for children. We didn't mention this. It's not appropriate for people that uh, don't like to see blood and guts and don't like to hear cuss awful words and, cuss and words and, and racial, racial slurs. Racial it's slurs. really it's really messed up. Actually, the stuff <laughs> that is said in this movie. All these sensitive little. Little people that watch a zombie movie. Sorry, sorry what, about the content. What oh. it kind of ties into here is I, I have in my notes. This might be a sweet zombie movie, but it's still an '80s movie, and like it was very '80s from the yeah. music to like the staging to the the wardrobes and everything. Like you, you didn't get that timeless sense of this is a timeless zombie movie. You got the sense of this is an '80s zombie movie, and I guess. I guess that kind of has its own charm and timelessness to it because the 80s are like a very revered decade. Mm -hmm. But that was one thing I noticed. Like this, this is hella 80s. Like, oh um, yeah, and it's and but it's just it's great. Like it's, I, I agree. It's, so 
so we get a little bit of the last of the ex what I call the externals, um, which were the the outside shots um, mm -hmm. until the end of the movie. And what I notice is when they're doing the close-ups of all the different zombies and stuff, like those extras who are playing those zombies aren't just mailing it in like the zombies are given way more personality in this movie and it ties into kind of the overall theme so i want to explore it more a little bit later but i just wanted to touch on that because those actors were acting their asses off well they really not that though but they did an open call for zombies for a george a romero film mm. and so you know one thing my wife noticed actually was like oh there's a lot of they're like teenagers and like young people and yeah it's like but, but the people like the like i think i think they technically had to be paid i think mm -hmm. they were paid a dollar um <laughs> and uh but they're so enthusiastic because they're 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 zombie you know they're they're horror fans they're George right. Romero fans and fans of the the series thus far you know it's yeah. like if you hired if you hired you know a bunch of Star Wars nerds to to be Ewoks or some shit you know like right. uh, it <laughs> yeah. just works out they'd they'd be like hold on let me get my costume yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and, well and their facial expression like the the eye movements and stuff were very were very human and. Uh, most times like you'd see in a in a modern kind of zombie movie that would be a turnoff you'd be like you know that is clearly a person acting like a zombie mm -hmm. but i feel like as we explore the movie and as we find out that that's kind of a thematic overarching thing in this movie is the personalities underneath the kind of zombiness yeah. um i i find it really it just i don't know i appreciated it a lot i think you know if we're gonna talk about the zombies and 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 you know the the performance and whatnot we're obviously gonna have to talk about the makeup and even like the, the very mm -hmm. first zombie you see in this i didn't yeah. even i was always like how did they do that makeup? you mean effect? tongue guy yeah i was like how yeah. did they do that makeup effect and only like after watching the behind oh it's actually a puppet but it's done so well and it's tom savini it's tom savini right tom savini yeah, yeah this is tom his savini. this is his and, masterpiece man yeah and, well and this is again like you know kind of like sound of silence for simon and garfunkel uh yeah. this is what propelled him to further greatness you know he went on yeah. to work on like the first friday the 13th and i uh, i believe little Sh or no creep show he worked on and I, I, I know we got a couple wrestling fans who watch this he also was contacted by bray wyatt for the fiend mask which is yeah. like a, a more current kind of thing because he, like, he went he's from a, being a respected you know underground guy to an absolute legend in the industry and yeah. this was the movie that did it yeah and i'm glad you brought up a tongue guy because um they were saying that actually the 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 face being broken like that was not yeah. on purpose they were doing like some drilling in the face and the drill caught a piece and like ripped the styrofoam out yep so they had to kind of you know compensate somehow so they just ended up turning it and in, into what we know as tongue guy and uh yeah like amazing special effects um while we're on the external shot one thing i wanted to touch on that's a cool little factoid also is the alligator I don't you remember yeah, the alligator yeah, coming yeah, out of the building? Yeah. So he has a bloody nose, but that was legit. Yeah. They they dropped him, like carrying him in. The Wranglers dropped him. So yeah. that blood on his snout is actual blood, yeah, like yeah, alligator blood. That nowadays, that would never happen in a film no. nowadays. Also, I just want to point out, you guys are so deep in these facts that you're yeah. blowing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you think about that, uh, Brett, and then if you throw it back to uh, Shawshank Redemption, and they yeah. had to find a dead maggot to feed to the bird because the ASPCA a, a crocodile or an alligator with a bloody nose because they legit 
were handling it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and what's cool about those Wranglers, like apparently the alligator was just like cranky after that and wouldn't you be? Um, huh. He like he like tail swiped one of those Wranglers and knocked him. By the way, the Wranglers were the two zombies that followed him out of that building. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, like, yeah. No yeah. acting experience at all, just dressed up like zombies. Anyways, I thought that was very cool. So back to the movie. Sorry that we got off on a tangent there, folks. Know, we are... I am so excited that you are as excited about this movie as so, I am. This Terrell, is the Stoner's point of view, and Stoner's go on tangents, and I, I just, this was a great movie. So anyways, a horde of zombies comes kind of making its way towards Sarah. We get some classic 80s music under it. Again, I gush in my notes over the music. We got the 80s Lindrums and Toms. It's just very electric sounding and cool. Um, and then we get an argument between Sarah and John, the pilot, um, about waiting till dark before taking off. And I remember thinking, like, how does that make any sense? Like he wants to fly out of here and go right. to an island, which spoiler alert, sorry if you're gonna stay with us to the end, folks, but they end up on that island anyways. Right. <laughs> Your boy's got a solid plan. But not only that, he's like, hey, no, let's just put fucking gas in the helicopter and now. get out. So you know what? It's funny. The movie could have just ended. If we need to get out, like yeah. she's like, no, it doesn't make sense to be prepared. Let's go yeah. down to the bunker. Yeah, she's like, she's like, leave the helicopter on so that the gas runs out. And yeah, basically, imagine the movie he's... just was like John like filling it up, and like they all just left, yeah. and that was the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what I have here is it's just bad reasons all around for not getting the hell out of there when they did. Um, but the thing is, I find I feel that that kind of leads into. A, a kind of a deeper subplot of this movie yeah. or, or a subtext of this movie where you realize that, ever, you know, watching it after watching it so many times and then getting tremendously banked and watching it in my thirties, I'm like, yeah. Oh, you know what? Everyone's just their own person. And like, everyone's right about some shit and everyone's wrong about some shit mm. throughout the whole, like every character in this movie has yeah. their flaws and has yeah. their plan. And nobody is the good guy in this. They're all just, individuals trying to survive and doing what they think is 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 right okay, uh, that's, that's why really like sorry Terrell, i was gonna say ahead. on that on that thread though i was just gonna mm -hmm. say so like once they do get back into their base and they're all in they get put on this like mission to go get zombies for studying right and and okay i just want to talk about like how everyone is right and wrong like phil said i don't know about you guys but if i was part of a military group and they were like hey your right. job is to study zombies and part of that job is endangering yourself by using this rickety ass thing to catch them, I'd be like, "It's a no for me, dog. I'm flying yeah. to that island with John." Oh yeah, yeah. You see this AR-15? Me yeah. and my AR-15 friend don't give a fuck about your scientific research. Well, and, and not only that, like you, you scientists are, are beyond brilliant, and you can't think of a better way to corral these zombies than with this old beat up. Yeah, that's what I mean. Shit. Like yeah. they could have dug pits um, or something, and they could have just fought. Fallen into a pit, and you could have pulled them up. That's what I would have well, done. And 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 like, I'm glad. Right? I'm glad we're. I'm glad we're here because this is where they originally get stationed with these dickhead military dudes, Steel and Rickles, um, who are great characters, by the way. You know what? Uh, let's stop here for a sec. You guys, we did this last week with Snatch. Let's do it again here. Favorite character in Day of the Dead? I'll go first. All right. Yeah. My favorite character is obviously John. Because he's hilarious. I like the most hilarious characters. I also like John because he's one of those guys that you're like, I would not want to mess with John. Out of all the people in this film, John yeah. kind of seems like he would kick my ass. So that's uh, that's why I'm saying John. 
It's such an obvious choice in this movie. It's fucking, it's John. It's Flyboy. (laughs) What I love, too, because his plan isn't just like, he's like, yeah, maybe we'll go south. He's like, we go south, make some babies. You know, he's like, fuck your man. He's a bitch. You know, I got swagger and a fucking helicopter. Let's go do some yeah some bumping and grinding well he literally said he literally said we'll drink until we die basically (laughs) let's let's get it on you know i guess i guess like my choice obviously has to be john but i gotta give uh, a runner-up shout out i should have probably waited till later to ask this question but i gotta give a runner-up shout out to bub bub is is pretty funny I think he's my backup character, and we'll we'll get to Bub. Let's just let's just hold off on that because we're not there quite yet in the story. But anyways, we we get a scuffle with Miguel here, who's freaking out, and uh, Steel and Rickles are are just like pissed off. He almost like gets one of them killed, and uh, so Steel grabs him and actually holds him over like the zombie cage, and is like just chewing him out. Finally, Sarah quiets them down with a Uzi, um, and they they back down, and then we get. Sarah back at the room with Miguel and he like has a meltdown, like slaps her a couple of times and then breaks down crying and she tranks him while he's crying, takes full advantage of his, his like mental state to, to massacre his physical state as well. Like, okay. So like, I, 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 there's just no better way. Like Miguel is just, he's such a bitch. In this yeah. movie, he's just so. He's the bad guy. He's the bad and, guy. He he's sets not the everything. Bad guy in the normal way, like he's a bad guy, like the just like he's just like the word we have in in, in German or the dialect of German. My family's he, he's so nash. Like he's just like, like no, you bitch, get out of here. <laughs> no, and, like so limp wristed. In, in the world, in the world of wrestling, it's called go away heat. Like when you're a, an actual bad guy, you you get heat by like making people actually hate you, and that's a good thing. But then yeah. every once in a while, you get a guy that gets the go away heat, which is when people they don't dislike you in the way that you're supposed to dislike a bad guy. They just want you the hell out of their screens and out of their. You know what he reminds you? You know what he reminds me of is uh, I won't tell you what it means, but go look it up later. Uh, in Irish, there's a slang for that type of guy, and it's called a gee bag. Go, go look it up. <laughs> <I'll> look <laughs> So then, hang on, hang on. He's with Sarah too, yeah. which does like who's amazing. Okay, who's a badass chick? The, the term, not if you were the last man on earth. Mm-hmm. He's and she's the last. Like, there's some, there's some, there's some. You know, you got Flyboy over there, and she's like, "No, I have to stick up for my boyfriend who cries yeah. all the time and beats and- me." Like he he clearly is punching way above his weight, and I don't mean that literally. Although he he kind of is doing that too. Um, but yeah, he he should not have uh, a girl of that caliber. That's definitely for sure. So we get introduced to the scientist Fisher and uh, Rhodes, who's now in charge. Rhodes is a great character as well, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's in charge after their their former commander Cooper died. We get a little bit of info dump on that. Um, but yeah, Rhodes is all pissed off, justifiably. Like he's he's actually the bad guy of the movie. But when you stop and think about his motives, like he just doesn't know what his men are risking their asses. This, this for. goes back to what I was saying about this is yeah. how I actually I actually you know even though I think Rhodes like here's the thing if I was put in his position screaming and yelling during a zombie apocalypse while trapped in an underground base with a bunch of zombies around with a mad scientist, I feel like that's not going to be the way to convey my point. But I would be telling those people. I ain't catching no zombies for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, 
you know, actually, Terrell, that brings me to a, an interesting thought that I had while watching this. So these people have been locked in a building together, seeing no one else for a long, long time and start getting on each other's nerves. It kind of sounds like the last year of my life. Uh, not lockdown. for me. I live alone. <laughs> I can, yeah, well, exactly, right? The only person uh, I can hate is myself, and I already well, hate myself. Well, you <laughs> start fights online. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, um, yeah, kind of the, the madness of that, uh, having lived through this lockdown for the last year, just yeah. kind of, it made this hit on another level for me. That's true. Right, yeah. right. And, like, one little side fact about this is, like, the actors had to spend four weeks in a limestone cave shooting this and like it was not pleasant for them like everything's like dusty and black they're like coughing out black shit and like the the main uh actress the actress that played sarah her name's escaping me right now Lori something i think um but she ended up with asthma after the movie and like she's she's quoted as saying like i'm i would be surprised if some of the others didn't also have respiratory things from being in this limestone cave for four weeks well apparently too brett uh uh their accommodations for this for the cast and crew was it was so i don't know if it was that it was far but it was so inconvenient to get to that they would actually like a lot of the cast and crew would would sleep in that well it's not a mine it wasn't a mine but it was a converted mine uh but yeah they would so they'd be sleeping underground work all day underground and so yeah so you know it's got that uh, it's got that that little bit of real you know it's 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 like a work shoot over. yeah yeah i got you <laughs> um so we get some more science talk and and honestly this is where the lore kind of comes out for this particular movie and the central themes of it um and i kind of have a love-hate relationship with the science of the zombie lore like to me it's it's kind of the standard of what i feel zombies should be if if zombies were a real thing like I appreciate the archetype, but I like they're they're people that have kind of lost their inhibitions, and so the attempt to rehabilitate them to me was such a great premise that beyond this movie, like has that been really explored? Like other than no. other than little chunks of shows where they're like, oh, we're going to use them as a, like a fight pit or like a a place to toss people to scare them or whatever. But like, I mean, in in terms of here's how we're going to take back control of civilization no. by they're rehabilitating they're, no, these zombies no, no one other than dr logan is crazy enough to think that a thing with a little tiny brain that wants to eat you could be turned into your buddy that listens right. to his walkman well, i don't think <laughs> that they were trying to rehabilitate them so much as to be able to just to be able to control them right uh, but even if you see you know like you know and this does lead to the character bub down the road and you know the the progress that they're making and the resources that they just don't have it's just mm -hmm. like it's a it's a complete pipe dream at this point right uh, you know so that kind of i think you know <laughs> while the soldiers are dickheads you're like you know what i can see your point and yes like yeah like so and, and to really get into this if you think about what what we're talking about here um we're talking about this idea that dr logan has theorized that he can somehow control these zombies but then right. the scene ends with him he actually removed like the face and like the the everything except the brain mm. of Major Cooper, who was just running this. Well, and you know, I I don't feel like no matter what Doctor Logan says after yeah. he did that, I'd be like, 
Oh, hell no. <laughs> well, Whatever I, you have I mean, to say, I'm not cool I, with. <laughs> I don't know, because, like, he's doing the experiment. And I, I wouldn't be cool with the fact that he's using living subjects to to accentuate the practices. I'm, I'm 100% with you on there. But I think the part that would have lost me is the fact that you just gave me this whole pitch about how you're making these massive breakthroughs about controlling. And then all of a sudden, your your subject that's on the table, not the, not the Cooper... Uh, faceless one but the other one that just like, turns start, and he drills <laughs> he starts to act up so he has to take a drill to his head like that that's not the best way to sell your idea of controlling these zombies that's what i'm saying i'm i'm not yeah. all about what as soon as dr logan was done and it ends with like sarah being like jesus like when she sees the guy <laughs> and then then he drills the one i'd be like if i was there with sarah like on her shoulder i'd be like let's get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so well, it's around this point where you're like, yeah, you know what, Flyboy is so got the best plan of anyone. Yeah, like he had it to begin with. On a beach somewhere. Yeah, he had it to begin with, and it's just further reinforced as the movie goes along. So we get this kind of like lunchroom cafeteria scene in the, <laughs> it's the big WWE scene bunker. of the movie, really, where it kind of like sets everything right. in motion. Really. Well, and and it's it's also the big scene in terms of the making. Of it because like there were so many active cameras in this part that this this whole sequence, which is probably like a five to seven minute sequence, um, was largely at the mercy of the editors. Like mm -hmm. and the pacing and the cuts and stuff were all the editors' choice because there was like twelve cameras actively running on different close ups on the different actors, and it was. Yeah, it was kind of editor's choice here. But I, I thought it was a good scene. And I like that they, um, you know, took the advantage to make it kind of the line in the sand. Um, and what I have here for storyline, I don't really know who I side with, to be honest. Because, like, Rhodes just wants to shoot all the zombies because they're running out of resources and have to get out of there. And then you got Which Logan. is wrong. Which is wrong. Because, like, and, you, you don't have that yeah. many bullets. Right. <laughs> But then, on the other hand, you have Logan, or Frankenstein, if you will, who's just such a smug asshole, and he wants to outline his progress on getting control of the zombies and stuff, and it's just like, like, this actor did a great job of making me hate his he really fucking did. gut. Yeah. Um, because, like, just <laughs> really how smug he was with it, he's like, oh, are you going to be able to blow the piss out of them all? Like, just like being <laughs> a smug dickhead, and I'm like, ah, oh, man. Anyways. You know, my note here is, uh, I say... Oh, I remember. This is the big scene with everyone arguing. Turns out, Captain Rhodes is a bit of a psycho, but the Doctor is more of a psycho. Yeah. But at least he doesn't want to murder everyone like Captain Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but the thing, I feel like Captain Rhodes is just like, like I feel like he started out the most sane of all of them and had to deal with this bullshit yeah. to the point where he's like, <laughs> "I will fucking shoot you." Imagine, like, imagine Doctor Logan I'm always being, "Where are you going?" Killed. I protect you literally every day, all day. And like, you're like, no, the zombies can be our friends. Like, I, I'd get a little crazy too. Maybe no, not, I, like, it gets a little rapey, I think, at one point with some of the soldiers. Maybe not going right in this part, part, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I'd get, I, I'd probably get a little nuts. I'd get a little, like, I'd, I'd say some things maybe I didn't mean. You know. So imagine, yeah. imagine I'm Doctor Logan and I kept on saying to you this every day. Where would you go, Phil? Where would you go? <laughs> I'm gonna get in the helicopter after I shoot you in the head. Yeah. And um, go to a beach with the black guy. So I, I just I, I love the way this scene ends too, because this is actually the point where my stoned brain actually got scared 
And I don't know if it was, I was scared of the movie directly, but I was scared of more so just the hopelessness all around. And it was just like, it had been gradually increasing to that point, but you keep, you keep getting these like moments of, oh, well, at least we can try this. At least we can try this at least. And then you realize that they're both just batshit crazy. <laughs> and the fear actually comes from like, oh, we actually don't really have a way out of this. Like we're, we're at the mercy of this zombie apocalypse. And I don't know, to me, that's just a legitimately scary yeah. thing. Well, and that's the thing. And like that scene with Logan, cause he, though, even though he's being such a dick about it, he's right. And mm-hmm. everyone realizes like it, like they, it real like they're, they're, it's time to abandon hope, you yeah. know, and just, and just survive. And, and yeah, and it paints that, just that stark reality. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's funny because too, you know, you're getting scared and it's a zombie movie. And then when you think about it, you're like, we actually haven't really seen that many zombies at this point. Mm-hmm. And you barely do for most of the film. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's still frightening, but it's just the concept of that, of that threat and of that hopelessness. Uh, well, Romero, yeah, and this. Romero always does that in his films where it's more about like the human. I think that's what makes zombie movies really cool is like how humans control themselves during these mm-hmm. events is usually typically more dangerous or hopeless or, or, you know, worse for their situation than the actual zombies. And this movie is exactly like that. Like, mm-hmm. cause Dr. Logan, his idea of like controlling the situation is by continuing to do his research so that he can control the zombies, which, like I said earlier, I think is nuts. But to Rhodes, you kind of sympathize with him because, you know, he's trying to control the situation to survive and, like, you know, move past this. And, uh, you know, it it doesn't end up working out for anyone. My favorite part of this scene is when it ends, John goes, he's like, he's like, you better stop worrying now. (laughs) And, like, he's he's right. Like, they should have left right then. (laughs) Well, and, and... And Sarah's still trying to make the case about how they should keep up the work and, and like the old, it's their only salvation and stuff. And John and Bill are walking away at this point. They're like, we're going to go get drunk. And yeah. I, I love John's line here where he's like, people got different ideas concerning what they want out of life. And I'm just like, yeah, that pretty much sums up where we're at in this movie. It's just everybody. Well, I, I believe that's the scene where John breaks it down to Sarah. And he's like, listen. Mm-hmm. They're not going to shoot me because I'm the only one that can fly this helicopter. Him, they're not going to shoot him. I can't remember why. Right. Uh, you like, like what, what, like what do you have? What do you have to offer? Like, like, yeah. like you can't keep running. You can't try to run shit when all you have is an idea that nobody agrees with and no guns. And, and uh, the reason yeah. why the reason why they have this conversation is because Sarah breaks up with Miguel and she goes and like goes to hang out with those dudes to get drunk. And I love that scene that you're talking about, Phil, right here. I love this scene because of. When John like gives that speech to Sarah, I love when he does that. You ain't never gonna figure it out. It's not mankind's job to figure that out. And he's like so like it's like spooky voodoo shit. You know what I mean? You're like oh yeah. shit. Like John is right, and I I think that's one of the reasons why I like John. He's like yeah. the only character that is like philosophical and has like a bigger kind of viewpoint of what's going on than everyone else. Yeah. Also, his like the thing is he has that philosophical viewpoint, but his plan of action is the simplest. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what life we have left. And yeah, realize yeah. it's such a simple, basic, like, just covering your basic human needs. And uh, and re- meanwhile, yeah, he has the most profound outlook on things. So it's 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 yeah. a, it's an interesting uh, uh, hyperbole? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> um, what I really like is, like, yeah, you were mentioning, Terrell, when, when they get to the, 
John has a few good monologues. Like he has the part of Phil was talking about where he breaks it down for Sarah. But then when she comes back to the Winnebago, yeah, he has that like existential conversation. And it's really powerful. He's like basically saying that they're being punished for trying to figure out too much. He's like, we got too big for our bridges. Our bridges. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I was really big fan of that. And yeah, it just made me more of a John fan than I already was. Um, so then we get some more of the science scenes with the behavioral stuff. And we see Logan, like, kind of in his element. With and like, to, We get to see to me, Bub. Yeah, we get, we get Bub here. Um, to train the zombies, you have to reward them. And that ends up being the guffaw for kind of the third act of the movie when shit starts hitting the fan. <laughs> but we get a scene before then with Bub and the razor and the mirror. And I, I love the lore there because, like, he's he's testing the razor on himself. He's, like, tasting the blood from it. And then he sees himself in a mirror. And then... I don't know how I feel about this. I, I, I guess I can put it to the to the forum. Zombie with a gun. <laughs> I mean, that's the big climax of this film, right? Like he, Bub won't salute the or the military guys won't salute Bub after he remembers. So you this, want like, me to salute that bag and, of pus? Yeah, and and I think that's what makes the movie kind of so like perfect and campy and and really great because in the end it turns out Bub really does remember how to to be Bub. Yeah. And it turns out Bub was a military guy. And... I remember taking more issue with that, like, earlier in my time with this right. film, you know? Like, because I, you were used you know, to a the, different type of zombie. Yeah, and yeah. Then now, now that I, I watch it again for the who knows what time, yeah. I'm like, you know what, it, I, I get it. And, you know, I yeah. feel like I've, I've, kinda, I've also developed, a, I think, a bit more of a, of like a, understanding or, or, or an appreciation for what Romero was going for. So yeah. I can understand your point there, like about being conflicted about that. Mm. But now I'm just like, ah, it's Romero. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I the way he explains it, it's campy and it's cheesy, but it's, yeah. it's it still works, you know? But, but I, I am a staunch defender of the cheese, like if it's done well. And I, I think this was. Like, yeah. and I think the the fact that they use that to vilify Bub and, and kind of give him a skinning the cat moment by making Rhodes such a, such a dickhead about it and refusing to salute him and stuff. All of a sudden now we have sympathy for Bub who yeah. like the zombies are the bad guys and we like Bub. Um, but yeah, at this point, like Logan is just starting to sound completely insane, like more so than he was before. And cause he's starting to like get hysterical about it. Right. Like he's so giddy over, over the reactions and stuff. Anyways, and we kind of have the turning point of the movie here where there's the the mishap at the zombie corral there and uh, <laughs> a, a couple of the army dudes end up dead and basically it what it was It's Miguel's down to, fault. It's Miguel's fault. Exactly. And like, Miguel, you see how he fucks up? Miguel, yeah. again, is a dick in the same way he's a dick for the rest of the movie where you're just like, why did you do that? Like He just is like, he's just like, oh, I'm just gonna let go of this. And he's just like, let's yeah. go of it. And like, just like, he just like, Ah, shut up! And like smacks his girlfriend. Like it's just like like there's like there's no reason to do no. this. Like except that you're a dick. Yeah. Fucking Miguel. So uh, a couple of the minor army guys, Miller, he gets his neck eaten, um, and then accidentally shoots Johnson. Actually, so Johnson didn't really get uh, zombie zombie death very much. Um, but yeah, then Miguel gets bit in the arm and runs off with a chunk out of his arm. Um, Sarah kind of like hunts him down and ends up cutting off his arm to save him while John makes a tourniquet 
and they cauterize the arm with this like torch that they this crude torch they made. They out throw of, like, together in two minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what got me here in my stone little brain was the classic '80s music that came on. It was like yes. it was like this redemption '80s music, and it just like. It was a little more bubbly than you would want for a scene where you're cutting off a guy's arm so he doesn't turn into a zombie. But this is what I meant about that delightfully out of place. Like, I thought it was it was great. It was unique. This is is the thing I hate about Sarah. Like, Sarah is, like, portrayed as, like, our, like, golden girl in this movie that we're supposed to, like, really, like, be our main character energy. But she ain't got main character energy because she lets this dude smack her around. And then she's (laughs) trying to save him from the impending zombie death. No, no. If someone if someone smacked me a couple minutes earlier, like Phil, if you smacked me, and a couple like hours later you got bit by a zombie, I'd be like, "Good luck." Yeah, no, <laughs> like, was, I'd be like, hey, "Guess what? Truck and go fuck him." You know, exactly. Like, I'll shoot While him rubbing, rubbing your face, you know? <laughs> or or just or just shoot shoot him then and be like, "I know you're gonna turn into a zombie, so I'm doing this in advance." And, um, but yeah, then uh, the dickheads steal and uh, Rickles show up and they want to kill Miguel and there's this cool standoff with John and this is this is where John comes out as like more of a badass like he was yeah. chill chill existential like classic well, smooth Jamaican out for his own like he was on his own yeah the whole time you know looking out for number one and this is where that kind of where, yeah yeah him and Billy kind of you know align themselves with Sarah and Miguel temporarily till Miguel dies but uh yeah it ends up with uh steel and rickles backing down they drop miguel off and and leave him with john and then uh bill and uh billy and sarah have to go uh to the lab to see dr logan yeah well to get supplies for miguel but where the clock comes in here to kind of add the suspense because you always need that clock for suspense is uh basically rose and them are like we're going to destroy those specimens tomorrow like yeah. they're getting destroyed tomorrow and all of a sudden we we have our clock. So yeah, Sarah and Billy go back to the lab to get the supplies and when they get there it's full of experiments and I like clearly Logan didn't anticipate people coming back at nighttime because the the dude that just died, Johnson, his head is hooked up. Yeah. Like and Tom Savini, kudos bro, cuz this head scene <laughs> man it's so good. It freaked like, me out. I remember I, I've seen it before, and then it came back on. I was like, oh, yeah, this is why I hate Dr. Logan, because he's creepy, and he does every scene. He gets worse and worse. Yeah, well, go and the- they also <laughs> find, a, like, a, like an audio log of him. <laughs> like, he's, like, like torturing, I think it's Bub. Yeah. Like, it shows that, like, even just, a, like, he has to, like, like horribly abuse these, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah. to get to, to be under control. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, that, like, whatever doubt you have, like, this guy is fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. 100%. Well, and then we get Logan uh, getting Bub to actually listen to the music, the classical music. And what I love about this scene, actually, just from the kind of like a, a behind the scenes factoid thing, is the actor who plays Bub basically improved the reactions with the actor who played Logan. So when he was sticking his finger in his face and stuff, he like the actor who played Bub intentionally didn't react so that he had to start waving and you know what I mean? Like he had to kind of make it more animated. And then that whole scene with the the pointing down and like slowly following the finger down to press play on the tape recorder and stuff, it just it was it was kind of just two actors, good actors feeding off each other. So and, 
this was my first time watching this as as a dad, and mm-hmm. I never realized like Bob he acts he acts like a baby. Like mm-hmm. he like he like holds stuff and like plays with stuff, and it's like oh like that's like my daughter, except yeah. a grown dead zombie guy. Yeah, well, and Logan rewards Bobby's. He finally here's your reward, Bob, and like makes a big deal out of it by feeding him Johnson's body. <laughs> yeah, and so Rhodes happens to see this and gets a little bit triggered, no pun intended, and shoots the shit out of him in a fridge, and basically takes the rest of everyone's guns. And just like, I'm in charge now, you know, like, um, so we're in a bit of a, a standoff showdown spot, but luckily John, our boy comes looking for them and we get the little, uh, showdown of sorts where Rose takes over. He lives, leaves Billy and Sarah for dead by the corral. Like he kind of like exiles them. He, he shoves them in there and he's like, good luck in the creepy pits yeah. full of zombies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we find out that, uh, which is always i just want to point this out yeah okay if i was captain Rhodes, once again if you're gonna be an evil bad guy you don't ever let people actually live i hate how they always do that they 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 tell them your evil plan and then you let them uh stand at the hill until the sun kills them no shoot them in the knees and leave them (laughs) yeah yeah like i hate when they do this in movies it's such a movie trick um you know sarah out aside from killing you you, yeah exactly you know sarah and bill are gonna somehow find a way through the zombie uh creepy tunnels and anyways i just wanted to point that out as like a big flaw with Rhodes' plan basically well, I totally agree, and it immediately looks like a bad plan because we get this shot of Steel and Rickles as they hear the elevator, like, powering up. And then when they get to the elevator control box, it's completely trashed. Turns out Salazar decided he's going to go Harakiri himself to Fucking the zombie hill. And everyone else. That's yeah. the thing. He's not like, oh, you know what, I'm going to be, whatever. He fucking trashes the, the elevator and yeah. has the remote on the top and lays down like a little bitch mm-hmm. and fucking hits the button and lets everything in. You know, my thing is right there. Oh, I hate you, Miguel, so <laughs> much. My my thought at that scene is, is like him laying there and be like, this will teach Sarah to break, break yeah. me. He's <laughs> <laughs> such a saucy little bitch. Yeah, yeah. Smacking didn't work. How about if, my dead ass? If she won't yeah. be a she can't be with anyone. I'm going to set the zombies. <laughs> like, who, who does oh, that? Okay. Yeah. So then we get a a scene in the bunker still with Bub escaping from his chain, and it's funny because he like looks quizzically at his chain. And let's let's put a pin in that because I, I want to come back to that later. But like we got a couple things going on at the at this point in the movie. So like Sarah and Billy are trying to get out through the tunnel. Shit's starting to get real. They're having to uh, deal with some zombies, and I love this scene here because we get the shovel stabbed in the zombie's face yes such a good effect yeah yeah well that, did, that's uh, because john went after bill and sarah and the creepy right. tunnels of death and yep. you know it, it turns out bill and john uh are way better at killing zombies than the trained military guys right. <laughs> we haven't even talked about bill really bill is a great character he's just yeah. with know, the flask and and everything like and we a, we kind of skipped over his and- we He's skipped so over good. his kind of heartfelt moment with Sarah earlier before they went to the Winnebago and we got John's existential speech, but like he shares the booze with her and we kind of get like a warmth because he rescues her from like Miguel being a, a crazy idiot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we got to give some more love to Bill. I, I feel bad for, uh, for screwing up on that. Yeah. He nails that role. Um, and yeah, and he's just like, 
What's the, like, yeah. there's even the opening so there's like, you're just going to keep drinking that shit? But it's like, oh, I know it's not going to be around, but like, while yeah. it's, uh, uh, like, while it's still around, I might as well enjoy myself. Well and, well, and when he has that scene with Sarah, like, he also says, you want some? I got this and a whole other one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually... The bar with, with, with uh, Flyboy, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a smart character, if you think about it. Like, if you're in a zombie apocalypse living in a creepy cave with a bunch of other crazies, you might as well get drunk every day. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what else have you yeah. got to do? Like, so aside from, like, their interpersonal personal shit they've got like they've got shit on lock pretty well like they don't have to worry about zombies well, getting apparently and, bill and john are the only people staying at the winnebago the ritz which yeah. is clearly the nicest place in the entire right. movie yeah like, um, they got this shit pretty well figured out like drink you go the bro. 80s paneling on the wall in the ritz is literally <laughs> yeah. on the wall in my basement <laughs> and it just it, there's a fondness to that right like um but anyways we're we're all over the place here. Let's get back on track. We got back at the base. John, yeah, he's got the upper hand on Rhodes. But then we have a little, uh, as if we needed more cool moments from John. He like he could have killed him, but then he didn't want to because he saw Logan laying there dead and his conscience kind of took over. So instead, he takes off to go rescue Sarah and Billy. And uh, one note here, just again, about the filmmaking and just that kind of aspect is like the red lights in the bunker and the way they light those tunnels in the bunker yeah, so cool. it's actually insane when you think about it because we don't notice that as like a casual viewer, but anybody with filmmaking experience knows that you have to have like immensely bright lights very far away to get that effect. Like it's mm. it's very hard to light up a tunnel the way they did there. And uh, I just thought it was really good. And Oh, sorry. Now that we're talking about Logan being dead, I also have to bring yeah. it up. Okay. So Rhodes loads what's uh, like has like what appears to be a fairly standard like uh, twenty five round uh, magazine in his and mm-hmm. uh, I believe it's an AR fifteen that he shoots uh, Logan with and proceeds yeah. to fire like a bajillion fucking bullets. <laughs> There's a few yeah. scenes of him just like just like like forty five seconds of sustained fire <laughs> like and like and a fully automatic weapon twenty five rounds like that'll get you like uh, like what like. Couple maybe, seconds, maybe five seconds or yeah. so. Like, it's, yeah, it's just like it's just so overkill. And you're like, at first, you're like, do they know just not? Oh, no, it's just it's not that I don't know anything about guns, it's that it's George Romero and it's supposed to be cheesy, and right? Then, yeah, so well, I think that that death kind of sets us up for all the that death kind of sets us up for after Miguel kills himself he gets all ripped apart, and then the zombies yeah. get in well, there, and then all yes. the military guys are getting shot. So you're well, kind of getting set up. Yeah, we're starting to get to like a cascade of zombie oh, deaths, yeah. and I want to <laughs> I want to go through them one by one um, because they all have their own unique things. Um, so right before that, we get Rhodes. He escapes. Like John's took off, so now he's by himself. He escapes, and then we get the scene with Bub seeing Logan dead. And the the thing that got me here is initially when he sees Logan's corpse, he doesn't know he's dead, and you see he's so proud he got off his chain. That that's what he's trying to show yes. him. He's trying to show him his chain, like, as in, aren't you so proud of me, Dad? I got off my chain. Yeah. And then he sees him dead, and he starts to show this grief. And then, I don't know, man. It, like, it tugs at your heartstrings a little bit. You're like, you have yeah. a dad, and you start having all these feelings and shit. Yeah. It sucks. But, but yeah, then... Yeah. But then he sees some guns, and now Bub's out for revenge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another feeling that uh, maybe zombies shouldn't possessed but he does and so now we yeah we get this consistent scenes of the zombie gore deaths 
And so let's start with Miller because when he gets ripped apart, it's insane. Like yeah, he gets ripped his apart. Scream, really his scream gets higher pitched yes. as his neck is ripped apart. And it's funny because I watched. I don't know if that's with... how necks work. <laughs> well, it, it was awesome, anyways. And I watched the effects guy do an interview, and he said he never even realized that that worked that way. Like like that that had happened in the movie until someone pointed it out to him. Yeah, which is nuts. Comedy was saying that. Yeah, like he, it makes it even more perfect. Like to me, well, when I was watching it stoned, and I see his neck being ripped apart, and his scream is getting higher pitch, I'm like, that was a genius thing. And then to find out that it was just kind of one of those happy accidents was well, really cool. Was that, like the sound team did that. It was just that Tom Savini didn't realize that they had done that effect because right, it was more that he was just so focused on it. But yeah, it's such a, it's just such like a, it's such a gory fucking gruesome <laughs> touch and like yeah. you know as we mentioned earlier like this is this movie is far more about the interpersonal human element than i think you know either of the prior two movies and yeah. then but and then you're wondering you're like wait like this movie is like so celebrated for its special effects i'm like why would they get tom savini for this like you know human drama Oh, it's for like the fucking twenty minutes of just of... a celebration of splatter. <laughs> yeah, that's well, the like, next one is my favorite for sure. Yeah, I love the next one. Well, is it the Rickles one? Uh, yeah, the guy that's like screaming and laughing and yeah, and, whooping and, and screaming. Yeah, yeah, I love that and fight his scene. Eyes, he's to... His eyes sticking out. Yeah, like, I love that. Uh, Getting his eyeball pulled out. Yeah, and that was a great one. Yeah, I, I think st- I have a note here. I'm like, we see the guy who laughs on scream get eight. Very cool. Steel does slightly better. That's what I wrote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I want to get to Steel in, in one second. I just, they do a little side scene here. And what I love is like, it's the zombie horde on the move because they've now entered the building through the elevator and they're on the move. And the music here was sweet because the guitar starts shredding. I think it's the only part that like had a guitar shredding in it. But yeah, just this guitar shredding while the horde's on the move. I was, I was a big fan of that. And then we get a little uh, side scene. We know the showdown between Bub and Rhodes is coming to a head because he sees him and he starts shooting at him. Um, but yeah, then we get back to the steel death. So the steel death is great. He's like trying to like get away from Bub a little bit. And then he's got his hand through like the wall or uh, sorry. Yeah, he's got, he's got his hand through something. Like he's going to get the jump on him. But then he gets swarmed by a bunch of zombies who, notably, these ones don't have guns. They're just irregular biting zombies. Um, and what's funny about the steel scene is, yeah, he does better because he shoots a couple, but he figures out with three bullets left that, oh, they die if they're shot in the head. And he's only got three bullets left, so he caps two more. And he just looks at the, looks at the gun a little bit and goes, well, guess I'm going out with a bang and uh, proceeds to off himself. Which is what, I, I honestly, people do in zombies. I have a theory, because Steel does get bit before he blows his head off. Yeah, and on the shoulder, yeah, when they swarm him, yeah. Is a, uh, let's just say a, a zombie that looks of Latin descent in the 80s in Florida uh, with a white suit on, very flamboyant. I say Steel got killed by zombie Tony, Tony Montana. <laughs> you think Scarface the location <laughs> and the timing works. <laughs> it could be true. It could be true. The the one that bit him, you mean? Yeah, the one that bit him. Yeah, yeah. Get him in. That's zombie well, Tony, Tony Montana. And maybe, 
like I I don't know this because I don't have to go never... back and watch this now hey, just to I confirm. Know, me, <laughs> it was it was it was never talked about, but like the death scene with the the shooting himself wasn't like he pitched the actor pitched that to Romero. Yeah, and and he ended up going for it. So for all we know, maybe our buddy George A. Romero intended for zombie Tony Montana to, to, to <laughs> zombie Scarface the shit out of Steel. We don't know. Hello to my little friend. <laughs> so it doesn't work yeah. that well, but. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Sarah and John escape. They light up a bunch of zombies with machine guns. And uh, they end up running out of bullets, too, in the, like, silo kind of ladder well thing. I love the 80s beat here. I also know mm-hmm. the, the 80s mm-hmm. beat during the ladder climbing montage. Amazing. Probably well, the best. Well, because the beat 80s. is done with synth, which yeah. is so cool. Like, I love that 80s style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of that. And so, yeah, now we got the showdown with Rhodes and Bub. Bub ends up shooting him a couple times. Um, but then he eventually ends up succumbing to the zombies. But what I love about this is, like, despite the kind of hokiness of a zombie with a gun, like, here's a zombie killing a dude, but he does it for a very human reason, revenge, and he does it via very human means, with a gun. Yeah. Um, although I will say the salute at the end... I was going to say, you got it, questionable. You got it, you got it. I was going to say, out of all of the things, though... Uh, I think the whole purpose of Bub is to like be kind of like shocking or whatever. That there's this idea that somehow the zombies can remember their human selves. Right. But the, the the military salute is just like a little like a little you don't, that, that's a little Steven Seagal like a little Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> yeah. like action hero yeah. kind of a like I got my revenge. later in his career, you know that's, <laughs> that was basically the writing on the wall. If you ask yeah. me, like if you look at Land of the Dead, they've got the guy who's half a zombie. Calls fireworks, sky flowers. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it, it's it's there's there's it's not good. It's not good. Trilogy for me, just like there's yeah. one Star Wars trilogy for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get Rhodes getting torn apart, and it's crazy. He's yelling, "Choke on him!" <laughs> and funny I about just that scene is that I, I was I was just yeah. going to talk about about this, but you can go ahead and and. Well, because they used actual organs, yeah, uh, like, pig guts, props, yeah. right? Like pig, pig organs and guts and stuff. And uh, they forgot to refrigerate them, and it was like the last shot they were doing, mm. or at least with any special effects. And they were like, yeah. "Well, we can either like take a whole day and like go get fresh organs, or we can yeah. use these ones." That we forgot to refrigerate, and it's like, and don't tell like, the extras. The zombies are literally fanning the stench away from the actor that plays Rhodes. Uh, yeah, in between t- you can well, see it in behind the scenes and, footage. And they they said that like, so the crew and stuff, they all got like this wax in their nose, and they got all this. <laughs> they got like like special scent stuff on their lips to kind of like yeah. protect them from it and stuff but the guy he would have seen that on the guy who played Rhodes, so he had well, no protection and like yelling and like yeah. it's a very like it's a very physical scene like you yeah. know he got some of that shit in his mouth oh yeah and like, <laughs> yeah well not only that the poor actors who played the zombies are feasting away yeah. on this like they're well, stuffing yeah, they're it in their face these right? like spoiled like, pig guts but yeah, uh, it's, it was yeah, quite disgusting. Hey, you know what? I've heard in some countries that's a delicacy, guys. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, then we kind of we kind of get uh, the sort of 
ending series of stuff. The three amigos, uh, Bill, John, and Sarah, are kind of racing against the zombies to the helicopter. And what I have here is there's no way it's still got gas in it. Like, it's been a couple days if this thing is running. Like, like I, I know they were hoping that the guys on the top side that were, like, doing the weed and stuff would fill it up. Running. I don't know what gave you that impression. Sorry? I don't know what gave you the impression that they the, left the speech running. at the start where they they talked about leaving it dark and he said he had to keep it running. Oh, I I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, but they yeah. they they don't they turn they the guy though tells him to turn it off and then he gets to all demanding that he have to fill it up as soon as possible. Right, like, right, we'll right. We'll fill it up at night. And so what he, what John is talking about here is his hope that they did actually follow through. Right, and right. Fill yeah. it up or they'd be effed in the A. <laughs> uh just for the record, I was a little stoned when I watched this. Yeah, uh, it's okay, it's okay. But, uh, might... yeah, anyways, she opens the helicopter door, she gets attacked, and then, like, uh, a wake-up from a dream sequence on a beach with Bill and John. Um, and it never actually shows what happened in the chopper. Um, I guess we're kind of left to our imagination. I assume uh, they just got in it, and, like, they're like, John's like, yeah, I'm going to a place near Jamaica, and they just flew there. No, but, like, they, <laughs> they would have... They would have had to deal with the zombies that were somehow in the helicopter, or that never happened. They they got in yeah. and clean and and flew away, and she just was having a dream. At, yeah, or it, this whole thing was a hallucination of Sarah in a psych ward. Like they a, do say like, that is a theory about this movie as well. Although I don't, I don't, I choose to not believe that. But I think what it really is is it's more of a callback to the previous movie, yeah. Dawn of the Dead, where they they're flying and they're like, "How much gas do we have? I don't know." And yeah. uh, it was just kind of a bit of a of a, of a playoff of that, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, in terms of how it ended and the ambiguity, like it's a little polarizing, but I, I'm happy with it. It's for me, it's about as happy an ending as you can get in a zombie movie. Like they're fishing on an island, and it's all like bright and sunny. And so I'm I'm happy with it. I'm content. I think it's about the happiest ending there is in a Romero movie. <laughs> uh, or at least in this series, like, uh, well, at least, yeah, like it's it's definitely the happiest out of the of, out of the original three. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's such a great movie. I'm so I'm just, uh just you know the thing is is Miguel is just such a dick, yeah. such a dick. But you <laughs> know what? At the end of the day, I'm gonna have to give jerk of the week to David Draymond and Disturbed for covering Sound of Silence. <laughs> Fuck off, you guys. Stop. Bill froze. Jerk you know that was of the week. You know that was their biggest like single too. Yeah. Like that was like. <laughs> well, it was either that or <laughs> like. Uh, I'm sorry. Thought... All right, boys. So before we get to the ratings, I I want to do a, a kind of like a secondary kind of roundtable, and I want I wanted to do it about the song too, but I forgot. Um, so uh, we we've kind of done this in a couple podcasts already, so I want to keep it going. If this movie's on and you're hanging out with the wife and you just see that this movie happens to be on. Do you the watch it? Yes. <laughs> is, is this one of those, if those, this is one of those flipping through, see this is on. You're like, ah, that's what I'm watching for the next hour and a half. Oh yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's, yeah. A, you know, it's, it's one of the few movies I actually like own, like on a physical medium, you know, like it's right. just, like you know, I remember when I bought it, I was just like, "Holy shit, I gotta get this!" Like it's, you know, it's the new film transfer and everything. So, unequivocally, yes. <laughs> the I agree, I would too. 
Um, side thing I wanted to ask, cause I know you have that sweet Blu-ray. Is that where you found the behind the scenes stuff? Yes. Was that on there? Okay. Yeah. So, so I wonder like about you that. and I watched the same thing. Right. Um, I found and it on YouTube. Yeah, I did see it. It's I saw like that it Into was on YouTube as well. It was Sorry? like, in, it was called like Into the Nightmare or something like that. Or like, yeah, yeah. So there, well, there's a few, there's a few different, uh, behind the scenes. Right. But this one, uh, this one was like well-produced, had good It, it was like an hour and a half long. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah I, I think it so, was the same okay. one. And you, like, okay. yeah, you see like. Uh, buddy who played steel, like all like in his like affliction. Yeah, and he's, and, got, and he's got like a little. Uh, <laughs> he got the like, flavor like saver French, and all that. French dash. Um, okay, well, that was Day of the Dead, and I I do believe this is going to end up being our longest podcast to date, and I'm I'm okay with that because this movie was outstanding. Um, I'm gonna go first. I didn't really dislike much about the movie, except maybe thought that uh, Bub's salute was a bit over the top. The rest of it. The effects were awesome. The music was awesome. I even liked the acting, even though it was it was campy and like very theatrical, like we said. Um, I don't think that took away from it at all. I think it, it if anything, it added to it. Um, so I'm going to give this a an eight point three out of ten. Uh, I'm gonna, you know what, this movie again. Uh, you know, I've I've been so excited to this. I've I've never been as excited about an episode as this one. Uh, I to to pardon my French, but I fucking love this movie, and I fucking love the original three. So it's it's just it's it's you're speaking my language with this shit. Um, so I'm gonna give it like I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten because yeah, like uh, I, I I maybe I'm just not as generous with my with my uh, with my ratings as Brett, but uh, you know all of this movie does it does well, and it just it it might even. To the casual observer, to the first-time watcher, you might put it on and 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 be distracted by the cheese, but it will draw you in, and you will believe this universe by the time it's 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 done with you. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, it's it's just it's so good. Yeah. What about yeah, you, Terrell? I think I would give. Yeah, I think I would give this movie an eight point one. Uh, I think it's an indisputable classic. It's a cult classic. I think that um, compared to the really primal scariness of the first movie um, and the really kind of kind of weird kind of satire of the second movie, this movie is a bit different. Like, it, it has a more simple plot line, but it, it really keeps you engaged. I think the effects stood up really, really well for a movie from the 80s. It's hard to even find movies from the 90s that we've even reviewed where I don't, like, think they're so cringeworthy. And I think yeah. what I like about this movie is that, like, it it has a really, like, original kind of feel to it. It feels like no other zombie movie before it or after it really kind of touched on um, the movie. And I, I would recommend this movie to any kind of, like, zombie enthusiast. And I would also say that even though it was less successful than the other films that came out before it, it's by far the, the best, you know, zombie movie by Romero. Uh, and I think that... Um, it, it's a great movie that it, it literally should be uh, like a more known movie. I feel like a lot of people haven't seen this film or don't really know uh, a ton about it. Uh, and so, yeah, that's why I'm giving it an 8.1. I would definitely again. And I, I love this movie. It always just makes me so happy to watch it. Yeah, well, it's like, do you ever watch like a movie? Like, for instance, like Scarface, you know, like to, not to bring that up again, but you watch that and you're like, I want to further explore 
this universe. You know, right. I don't want side stories on this. And I feel that this movie just it just delivers that. And it actually it actually overtakes like, you know, like the 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 original two. Uh, you know, it's just such a great exploration of that universe. And it's and but it's also a departure from that formula, but does it in such an interesting way and 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 just explains so much about that universe so well. It's just and I, I've I've yet to see that replicated uh in in any other film uh franchise i think well one thing i want to say is you're going to get uh an awful lot of chance to to talk about that um in our next week's episode because we are doing scarface and oh really i forgot and uh the song that accompanies scarface because we want to keep it all in-house we're doing push it to the limit as our song scarface as our movie (laughs) and we are going to take the world by storm with that one um one thing we forgot to mention earlier on is please follow us on all of our social media channels at the stoners pov hit up our youtube channel we do the video for this up for the episodes every week and we would love to hear your comments we want to know what you want we we want to know the songs the movies we want to break them down because i mean we got lots of ideas but it's all stuff that we like and you might not like the stuff that we like and we want to know what you like so that we can tell you whether or not we like the stuff that you we like. We might like the stuff you like. We might not like it. But the important thing is that you like it. And right. we, you like us. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. Push it to the limit. Scarface coming up next week. I legit thought we were doing Star Wars next week this whole time. I am so much more pumped now. <laughs> yeah. So, um I, I can understand that, and uh, people, if you wanna, if you wanna tune out now, you can, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna just explain the situation here. We had a week where things got messed up, and we ended up missing, so we're kind of staggered all over the place. So I had to make an executive decision, and I had to slice one of the weeks out so that we can stay on track, and that has led to us doing Scarface and push it to the limit. So, oh yeah. So I, uh, I will hope you all turn in. Or tune in next turn in that's kind of like tuning in but with more turning but tune in next week we're going to be here we're going to be listening to phil do a horrible impression of tony montana oh, he's going to do it so oh, much man. it's going to be so I'm annoying me some licorice man the red uh, licorice not black not the, the only black. reason the only reason i don't want to do scarface is that i was thinking about this for the pod about having to listen to all of us <laughs> do our <laughs> shitty Scarface impressions oh, like any Scarface. person that watches this movie. Maybe maybe we'll do a tally and see who gets the most and whoever has the most Scarface impressions has to be the jerk of the week. <laughs> yeah, it's just be the rule. You know what? I just want to close this one out. I had a lot of fun, boys. Fuck you, David Draymond. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. So for Phil and Terrell, I'm Brad. This has been the Stoner's Point of View. We'll see you next week. Stop hovering good songs disturbed. Bye.